Howie. I dominated even more than usual. Dark. Yeah, I don't think so, Howie. <laughs> Triple M's winter breakfast. And I must say, the man beside me on Monday, he sprung out of here, looked a million bucks. We've got to Wednesday, not looking quite so sharp, ducky boy. I, I tell you what I have noticed each morning when yeah. we uh, give the temperature outside, just mm. seems to be getting warmer and warmer. I reckon the first day it was about 6.5. Yesterday it was about 7.5. We're past the halfway mark today in winter. it's 10. Um, well, it's not helping me get it get out of bed. Well, ha- as I said, you, you you looked like a million bucks on Monday. Today, I, maybe half I, a million. I, I bounced out Monday. Yep. Rolled out Tuesday, <laughs> and and just sort of uh, looked at the clock today and thought, oh, anyway, I got up. But I the the big thing is though, I'm waking up now. The first day that the alarm woke me up. The second day, I woke up ten minutes before the alarm. Today. Three minutes before the alarm, so probably won't see me tomorrow, Howie. <laughs> well, the thing I've noticed, <laughs> the thing I've noticed about him, Rose, on Monday he had a coffee, yesterday he had a double shot, and he's just ordered uh, from the lovely Hannah a triple espresso. So I don't know if you can have a five by a quintuple <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> and I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Right. I, uh, because I coming down from the coast, so I my alarm goes off at three minutes past four, and it's uh, school holidays at the moment, so you've got to have a bit of energy when you get home. I stopped at the BP petrol station yesterday, halfway between here and home in Lara, out where the truckies are, um, and looked at my clock and thought, I'm just going to close my eyes for a couple of minutes. Those drowsy driver die. That was in my head, in all seriousness. Um, And I put my head against my puffy jacket, and I slept for 11 minutes. It's amazing what that can do to you. And it got me through the day. Yeah, it works. Well, your kids are a little bit older now, so they're Mm. not having the afternoon nap. No. I tried to convince them to yesterday, but they weren't keen at six. uh, Well, I I had Charlotte yesterday afternoon, and uh, that's exactly what I did. She she didn't really want to either, but she was held down. (laughs) You're gonna sleep. She was held down, and we uh, we both we both got about an hour and a half in. To be honest, uh, yesterday afternoon, so it all worked out. Uh, we've only done it three days. <laughs> no wonder Ed Mick and well, Darcy Rosie get... go off the deep end. Hang on, we're just acclimatising. That's Howard. right. That's it. That's it. Plenty to come on the show. Uh, Todd Woodbridge will tell us all about Nick Kyrgios' win. As uh, win, Lucky Hulme, the actor, will come in to talk about Offspring spring and all the different things he's done along the way. And, and that's the other key to this show. I mean, you you know, you talk about. All we'll be talking about the tennis and everything else, and the documentary that uh, you know in cold blood last mm. night. You can't watch it because you can't stay up late <laughs> enough to right. watch it. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Wimbledon is up and running, or they had some concerns later on with rain, and the coverage will continue on seven two from eight thirty tonight. It's it's important to say, Howie, yes. exclusively live on seven tonight from eight thirty. Okay. Exclusively live. So you can't watch it anywhere else but seven live tonight. Well, I, I don't know about all that, but I know I watch because Todd Woodbridge is up front and centre and he's who I well, want to listen to. Well, and that's exactly, and you can watch him live exclusively. Well, what a seven. thrill. What a thrill, Woody. We can watch you live and exclusive apparently. How are you? Uh, yes, I'm good. I'm chuckling at that comment, but thank you very much. <laughs> it's a good day though uh, for some of the Aussies here. A good start for Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, talk us through the Kyrgios. We just saw the news here uh, when he played one of my favourite shots in tennis and one of my favourite expressions, a tweener between the legs job and his four-set win over Radek Stepanek. Yeah, first round, he gives us uh, possibly, it'll certainly be one of the shots of the tournament, That that's for sure. He, he hits a little tweener lob, as you call it, you know, flicks the racket between the legs and throws up a lob winner, lands on the base side. Um, there's an element of luck to it, but it does take a fair bit of skill as well. And, um, and that'll be a highlight. Um, 
You're probably going to refer, if you didn't already, to um, you know the, the end of the match. I'll give you a quick summary. It was a good match. He played well. He played played Stepanek, who we knew would be wily. He was he was close to winning it in three sets and probably should have. Surfed for it at five four and didn't finish it off. Uh, it went to a tie break. Stepanek had a, a couple of set points. Nick had a match point. Didn't finish it off. Had a couple of rumbles with the umpire after that, and I think quite unfairly. He, he got given a, a warning, and I'm pretty hard on Nick at times, and I thought that was pretty ordinary from Mohamed Liani. That, of course, has made a few headlines, but what he did incredibly well was in the fourth, he turns it around, he focused straight away, came out, served four aces in a row, then went on to a five-love lead and finished the fourth set off 6-1. So I thought overall an impressive performance. He's tarred by that brush now because we're going to play some audio that if it was any other player, it wouldn't even get mentioned. We certainly wouldn't be playing it, but this is the audio you're referring to. No, 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 I want to know what I said. What did I say? You know what you said. No, I don't. What did I say? I'm not going to No, no, what did I say? Put the microphone and everything. What did I say? Every single person that has said that word in this chair has got a code violation. You're telling me that? <laughs> I don't want to know another thing. I just want to know that. No, 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 that's not, my, that's not my question. I'm saying everyone that said that, this close to the chair has got a code in, in history of tennis. Every single person. What did he say, Woody? I think there's a bit of BS to it. Okay. Um, was what I un- yeah that that was the word that I understand and um, he didn't direct it at anybody I and mean, we we're sitting there we obviously you know it's our job in the television not mine in particular but someone's job to go out and find exactly what he said and to who he said it and we couldn't find it and uh, I, I you know know Mohammed Laani fairly well he, he was umpiring when I was playing he's, he's a very nice chap but he does tend to get involved in matches and. Uh, I don't know that the officials thought too ha- hard about what umpire to put in the chair. I know they do do that, by the way. They they work out who they think be able to control certain players better and matches <laughs> and big matches. But Muhammad likes to get into conversations with his players. And, and he's not the right person in the chair for Nick because he will have a conversation with you and that doesn't do his match any good. Yeah, it's no different to uh, no different to umpires in AFL that know players that dive and all that sort of stuff. They get a preconceived idea about them before they go in. So I totally agree with you there. Now, obviously, on to tonight, which is, uh, as I said before, exclusively live on 7 at 8.30. Tomic, obviously, uh, has to uh, go on and play for Dasco because that game got uh, rained out. Yeah, it's two sets all. Uh, the rain came at a good time for Bernard. He, he had a slow first set, then got got into that match really well. He was well on top. He had some break points in the fourth, got out of a, a love 40 game. And uh, where you probably would have saw a Leighton Hewitt charge to the, the chair and give all the great positive body language, he was getting a little tired. And at one stage, we might have to wheel out a wheelchair to get him to the changeover. And all that said to Vadasco was, oh, mate, I'm struggling. And Vadasco picked it up. And he won that fourth set, and then the rain came. And so for Bernard, I, I think it came at a great time. So we come back tomorrow with them all tied up at uh, two sets apiece. Um, we'll probably start our program. I haven't seen the official schedule yet because of the rain delays tonight, but Sam Stozer in action against Sabine Lazicki, and that will be a tough one. But I'm pretty confident that'll be up early for us. And also the uh, Joker and Federer will also be playing after that? Yeah, I think it's worth talking about the Federer match mm. because uh, that's an amazing story. He plays against a fellow named Marcus Willis. He, he means as much to me as he probably does to you guys and all the listeners. 
Marcus Willis had to play pre-qualifying. He's a coach at a local club. He has played a little bit of lower-tier tennis. He gets through pre-qualifying, qualifies at Roehampton, and, and comes out and wins a match at Wimbledon. Now, I don't know if you've seen that wonderful movie. It's a big raid. It's called Wimbledon. Um, it was about 10 years ago. He's like one of the characters out of that movie. Um, it, is, it is quite intriguing. He's, he's probably a little bit overweight, to be polite. Um, he's loving every minute of it, and he's, he's going to get the opportunity to play against you know, the greatest, or if not one of the greatest of all times, in Roger Federer. It's worth viewing because his press conferences have been terrific. And the story itself is, uh, it's one of those sort of Cinderella stories that we've not had before in tennis, or if not, for a very long time. Woody, I really like that Wimbledon film as well with Paul Bettany. And uh, <laughs> I, I, it's one of my... Uh, Can you I, name an actor in it, by the way? Uh, Kirsten Dunst, just quietly. I'm, I'm quite... Yeah, uh, well done. There you go. Now, well, just, yeah, I just yeah. as, we, as we let you go, you, you were very kind saying uh, Marcus Willis was a touch overweight. I saw his highlights last night. He had man boobs, Woody to be completely frank with you, in his tennis shirt. Well, the main thing is that I didn't say that. Um, and did, <laughs> well, I just but, did. Uh, <laughs> That's what you were hinting at. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's probably gained a bit of fitness over the last <laughs> two weeks when he's had qualies <laughs> and the main draw. But uh, I did watch his press conference and it was very entertaining. It's great to have such a different story amongst a, a world of sport where it is can, at times can be a little bit too intense. It is, Woody. We really appreciate your time. You go and get a good night's rest. We're loving the coverage. Good stuff. Thank you, guys. Chat again soon. Now, Duck, I'm not exactly known as an investigative journalist, and you've been probably, well, you've probably been at the centre of a few investigations in your time, <laughs> but we're about to blow the lid. Uh, exclusive style on a big story here on the Winter Breakfast. We've got a man on the line who's going to bring us right up to date with a big breaking story in Melbourne about who and what attended Gill's dinner last night as far as the coaches go and possibly whether they came bearing with gifts. Ayrton Woolley, our man, Mr. Investigation himself, is on the line from the Nine Network. He was there stalking out the scenario last <laughs> night. Uh, good morning, Ayrton. Good morning to you, Howie. Yes, as you can imagine, there'd been finer moments than uh, hanging around Gill McLaughlin's house, but... Uh Certainly an interesting night for the coaches last night. Well, Duck's got the hard-hitting question shortly, but firstly, when the Chief of Staff or whoever decides and said, righto, Ed, you're going to go and stalk out uh, the CEO's house, is this why you got into journalism in the first place? Look, possibly not, but as you can imagine, <laughs> Dylan McLaughlin certainly doesn't have a, a studio or apartment or a little townhouse that I was uh, sitting outside quite palatial, so I'm not sure he even knew we were there for most of the time. Do you, do you sit in the car and sort of eat chips and drink Coke like and stake out the movie oh. till they arrive or not? How does it go down? Uh, I think I just kept the jacket on, Harry. It, it was pretty fresh yesterday, but uh, no, it was all very civil. The uh, they, I think they expect us out there now and, uh, and everyone said hello, Bar Clarko, but uh, that's pretty standard. Now, <laughs> now Ian, I, I don't know why, but when I, I was watching the footage last night and I saw a couple of different news uh, news stations sort of go with it and I, I saw yourself there, the first thing that I looked at is, one, what the coaches were wearing. <laughs> And two... I said this was a big report we're going to break. No, and two, whether they had something in their hand that they were taking. Now, clearly, Gil would have said, look, you don't need to bring anything. We've got all the henchki. We've got all the pen folds. We've got all of that there. We've got all the food you can eat. You don't need to bring anything. But as we know, as we know, and we all know this, when you get told not to bring something, you should always still bring something. How many of the coaches 
had something in their hand, whether it be, uh, you know, favourites, some chocolates or, or a bottle of wine or a bottle of champagne? Did you notice? Well, if you were hosting the coaches last night, Duck, I reckon you would have been very disappointed with uh, what they oh, brought to the table. Really? I think, uh, I think just about all of them, bar about Chris Scott, came empty-handed. I uh, can tell you, Brad Scott was very nicely dressed up, uh, probably after his, his fine the other week. And they did have caterers, so perhaps after his uh, little donation to the AFL, they decided to go a bit more upmarket this year. What did Chris have in hand? Can you, can you let us on to this exclusive side of the big story we're breaking right now? Well, I didn't, I didn't see the label or type, but I think he was carrying a bottle of wine, Chris, this year. Um, but, he's, but he has been known to be quite generous, so um, certainly... Uh, True to form last night. Well, the coaches are known, as we know, as a little bit uh, on the tighter side. I don't know a this. You're going coaches. with this on your... This has oh, nothing to do with me. It, it is a known fact. <laughs> that, They're all on 500,000 plus a year. Well, it, but it is just a known fact that the coaches don't like to uh, put their hands well, in their sky rockets a hell of a Would lot. you agree with this, Ayrton, or not? Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a, certainly a fair reputation when you talk around club land. Yeah, I think you're right on the mark there. Now, Ayrton, what are you covering today? A cat up a tree or what, what are you bringing to the table? <laughs> well, hopefully we won't be outside anyone's house uh, tonight, Howie, but uh, we'll have plenty of that for you on Nine News. Bit of Matthew Delavadova back in town, so certainly looking forward to that this afternoon. Actually, exactly. Ayrton's ca- catching up with uh, Delhi. He does all the big stuff, and he's not the cat up the tree, man. Well, that, that was my job, uh, cat the, up the tree. Yeah, you're the cat up <laughs> the tree. And look where it's got me sitting here with you. Well, mate, some of the big journos around town, Hutchie used to hide in bins <laughs> out the front of people's houses. And Have you ever hidden in a bin, Ayrton? No, no, I don't know how I'd go fitting in a bin, actually, which is why I'm heading off to the gym at the moment. I reckon, That's why Hutchie gave that up too, I reckon. <laughs> I, I, reckon uh, I reckon Damo, if you go through Damo's wardrobe at home, he's got three different types of koala suits. <laughs> <laughs> just from hiding up a couple of trees. Thank you, Ed, and we appreciate your time. No worries, gentlemen. I told you we'd hit the big story. How about next we discuss what you should and shouldn't bring to someone's function? Yeah, I, you know what? It's a very good discussion because we've all got friends that uh, you know what. Eddie's going to be shattered when he hears about what we've been talking about <laughs> on his show. He's the big newsbreaker, and you're telling me Damo's wearing a koala suit. <laughs> We were just speaking to Channel 9 news hound Ayrton Woolly Duck, who tamped himself in a bin, you were trying to tell I me, outside in a bin. Gil McLaughlin's house to watch the coaches arrive for the big yep. summit last night, where Gil beautifully invites them around for a bit of a nice steak and a wine and a chat, and he was discussing who brought what, and he sort of informed us that maybe Chris Scott was the only one that brought anything, which you which then wanted not, to... Not surprising. Well, because you think the coaches are tight. I, this has nothing to do with no, me. No, I didn't say they were all tight. Just, well, you did. Just what we hear. Well, you said they were tight. It's just what we hear. So, Duck, it brings us hence, as Bill would say, to a discussion point. What should you and should you not do in a social etiquette sense when someone says, Duck, come round to my house. I'm going to have a dinner, a barbie, a breakfast or whatever. But, mate, don't bring anything. Just just bring yeah. yourself and yeah. Charlotte or et cetera. Yeah. What, what's the... Etiquette. There. We've all well, we've all got different sorts of mates, and we've uh, all shapes, all sizes, all different personalities. But I've I've got a uh, I've got a mate who would always say, you know, will I bring something? And he and he did. He would always bring something. He'd always bring the cheapest bottle of wine he could find, <laughs> and he would bring it around. He would walk in, bring nothing else. And I always said, don't bring anything. You don't need to bring anything. Every everything says so. You say that, but. <laughs> Then people do, 
and you say, okay, that's great. Well, he would come, He would the bottle of wine would sit there, no one would touch it because it was cheap. No good. And then he would then proceed to drink everyone's beer and wine and eat all the food and everything else, and the bottle of wine would be sitting there. So he had to get out of jail free because yeah, he brought I, something. And, yeah, and I would say, hey, take take your wine, mate. Don't worry, no, one, no one's going to drink it. He'd go, no, 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 I can't take the wine. And he'd say, okay, no worries. He'd grab the wine and walk out. <laughs> Now that is your that is your that is your bad friend. That so, is a friend that you you know. You, and, but you just know what you're going to get every time before he comes. So um, what does the duck bring? That. If I'm inviting the duck round, what, what do you bring? What's socially well, uh, acceptable? Well, I bring too much. If you you tell me not to bring something, I'll I'll bring far too much. But are you are you straight and down the line wine man, or do you go for olives and depend, maybe a loaf of bread no, no, or no, some depend, cheese? Depends or? depends on what uh, type of event it is. If okay. it's a if it's a barbecue, then I'll I'll bring uh, enough beer for just about everyone there, and I'll bring enough wine for everyone to enjoy. So, and it'll get left there, Howie. But then you've got the other type of friends. So before I went to Bali. Mm. Um, a couple of nights before I had a little bit of a dinner and then I, so I had some mates over and I said, having a bit of a barbecue and I know it was, it was cold here in Melbourne, but you sort of still get out, put the meat on the barbie and everything else. They brought, they bought around like your, uh, favorite chocolates. They mm. bought around, they know that I love, um, raspberry licorice. They know that I love all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> so they bring around all of this stuff, you know, chips, chicken chips, Smiths, all of that stuff. And the reason why they bring that around is just to be cheeky. They want me to eat that before I go to Bali. Chub it up a touch. <laughs> <So> chub me up. <laughs> and I go, why would you bring that stuff? And they go, they just start laughing. <laughs> and then I say, take that stuff. You know, I'm not going to eat that before Bali. And they go, no, 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 just leave it there. You might get hungry one night. You know, you just have it as a snack. So then you have mates like that, which is all good. And that's, and that's a bit of fun. But it, So can you ever turn up empty-handed? I don't think you ever go, whether you've got friends that you just know and they just say, don't bring anything, you always turn up with something. And never take your gift home? And never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever take it out. I've even got other friends that that's half half finished and you say, oh, look, we're not going to finish that. Oh, okay. And they take it. No. Where, it is where a no-no. Sit- Rosie, you- are, you, are you on board here? Yeah, you can never take a half bottle of wine home or to a function either. I've seen people who have rocked up with, you know, oh, they've no, had a no. glass on the way to. Oh. <laughs> and, what about, and, no. and as you would know, if, when you go, and, and by the way, drink responsibly, but when you go to a, a bottle, yeah, and you, to buy a six-pack is just about the same price as to buy the whole thing. So you just buy the whole thing? Well, buy the whole thing. That's you, right? Right and there. if you and if you want, and then you've got other mates that buy the whole thing, and then just sort of take a six pack out and leave the three quarters in their back of their boot and and bring the six pack where, in. But where do you sit on the? Someone comes around your house, brings you something, and then you re-gift it. You take it with you and take it somewhere else because it's not your cup of tea. Well, oh, I could get in. I could get in big trouble here because I I'm not a re-gifter. Right. Someone very close to me is a massive re-gifter. How close? Close, close. Right. Mother of. Um, no, I didn't say that, did I? <laughs> well, the sort of mother-in-law material. No, no, no. no not, She's a re-gifter. No, not mother-in-law, no. What's her name? Hey? What's her name? No, no, come on, move on. Move on. <laughs> the re-gifter, not, not allowed. Massive re-gifter. <laughs> uh, there's been another athlete pull out of the Olympics. Duck, Jason Day, I'll read you part of his statement, the world's number one golfer. It is with deep regret I announce that I will not be competing at the 2016 Summer Olympic Games. The reason for my decision is concerns about the possible transmission of the Zika virus and the potential risks that it may present to my wife's future pregnancies and to future members of our family. So... 
He joins other Australians, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, also golfers, and Andrew Bogut had expressed some fears. There's a lot of other golfers around the world, Brandon Grace, Charles Schwartzwell, the former Masters winner, Louis Osterhusen, Vijay Singh, etc. And some gentlemen, like Greg Rutherford, the long jumper, Paul Gassel, the basketballer, and a US volleyball coach have chosen to freeze their sperm. Now, we're not medical experts but they're, by go- any but they're going away. They are going away. In South Korea, they're going to wear Zika-proof uniforms, which basically your, your blazers <laughs> and plants, uh, pants, Rose, you get sprayed in an anti-mosquito repellent style scenario. So it's passed on by mosquitoes. I have had a chat to Doc White about this a couple of times. It's not um, a new thing. He said, you know, this has been around since the 60s and 70s. It's a very, very, very small chance of infection, but I guess it's up to the athlete themselves. It is. Am I being pessimistic when I say that all of the people say, and I'm not saying they're not doing it for those reasons. Clearly, if there's some risk, they're doing it for that. But it's all of the sports that they earn massive amount of money mm. and it's not as important to them to compete mm. in the Olympics. Would it be fair to say that? Yeah, I think that I think if you are a swimmer or a runner and the peak of your career is aimed at going to the Olympics and you're heading off to get uh, hopefully an Olympic medal, or if you're a golfer or a tennis player or these sports that I actually don't think should be in the Olympics because it's not the ultimate if you win an Olympic gold medal. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as winning Wimbledon or winning the Masters. I think, therefore, you would be, as a, a typical Olympic sport, for want of a better term, athlete, you'd be more inclined to take on board any perceived risk. Okay, so back to the virus itself. Mm. You know a little bit about it. As you said, mm. you, spoke, uh, you spoke to Dr. Rowan White, yep. who uh, is right across it. It's been around since the 60s. You're going away soon mm. after uh, after Straight breakfast, after this, yeah. yep. and you're going to a country where this is also an issue. Y- yeah. are, are you are you concerned about it? And would ah. you let uh, Erica go away? Is is, oh, is uh, I'm going to Guyana in northern South America for a work situation directly after we finish winter breakfast. Um, and they've had cases of Zika there. There's been cases of Zika in Bali. You just went to Bali. Did you even consider it? Uh, nope. There you go. Um, I, I wouldn't. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things, Duck. You know, you you could get hit by a bus in King Street. Um, whether I would let Erica go, I'd certainly do a lot of research if we were going to be having more children. But I don't think there's been a direct link between the two. I I, I will go to Guyana without a second thought about it. Um, you know, you where your mosquito repellent uh, life will be. You know, you, you, and I've had this discussion with Doc as well. If I was to go and get the Zika virus, he said the majority of people wouldn't even know you had it. It's like you got the flu for a week and then on it goes and away it goes. So, all of a sudden, those sports that everyone's pulling out of, and I'm talking about tennis and golf. All of a sudden, now that gold medal is just hugely diluted. Well, they shouldn't be there in the first place. We're going into a whole other discussion now. But, but, it, but it's usually diluted, isn't it? That 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 medal. Yeah, I mean, but, you're, but, you're not competing against the best. And it doesn't also, matter though, mate. We've if, also if got basketballers. We've uh, Steph Curry has pulled out as well, and I'm not. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's no, injury. Buggered. LeBron's not yeah, going well, as well. Fair enough. LeBron's not going. So the two best basketballers in the world are not going to compete for the US of A. Um, it 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 is. It's just it, it makes the gold medal not as. Uh, maybe I don't. I don't agree with that because in five years' time down the line, if you become the first Olympic gold medalist, say you're, uh, I don't know, say you're, uh, it doesn't really matter who it is. Sergio Garcia wins the Olympic gold medal. You're not going to say in five years' time, oh yeah, but such and such wasn't in the field. Such and such oh, wasn't in the field. I disagree. I think the real point here. I Doug, disagree. If you win the gold medal and you say the number one golfer and the number two golfer and the number three golfer weren't there and you win it, 
then it's then it's not. Yeah, but you don't remember that about other athletes. If uh, someone wins a swimming gold medal and um, uh, the number one swimmer in the world wasn't there through injury or etc., you're still the Olympic gold medalist. I, I think, to be honest, mate, I think the real point is they shouldn't be going and having these sports in the Olympics. Because if you said to Sergio Garcia, for want of a better term, okay, Sergio, would you rather win an Olympic gold medal or would you rather win the U.S. Masters? I'm got no doubt he'd tear the U.S. Masters, and yeah. that, I think that's the problem with these things in the sport. But anyway, I'd love to talk about what Duck was talking about in the ad break, but maybe we'll leave that for another time. Uh, so I think we could turn that into a segment. Okay, maybe tomorrow. We just need yeah. to finesse it a touch, I think, and make sure uh, a couple of people aren't listening. I would have thought, Duck, that are reasonably close to you. Uh, school holidays. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple of beautiful daughters. One's a bit young to get involved, yep. and Ella is now... Ten. Ten, and I've got uh, the pickle who's six and the big penguin that's four. So at the point where you need to start thinking and getting things organised, what uh, advice have you got for all the people out there? What should we be doing with our kids this school holidays? Don't well, the, the easy one, how is obviously movies. You've got all of the all of the movies out. Well, a right couple now. of good ones at the moment, apparently, according to the Big Penguin, the fifth instalment of Ice Age, Collision Course. He's very keen on that, yep. and uh, Finding Dory, which is the uh, Finding, yeah, which is the, the sequel to Finding uh, Nemo. Nemo. That's they found him, and now yep. they're looking for Dory. So there's a couple of well, good tips. Well, they are beauties, and they will uh, well that will probably be Thursday. That'll be my okay. Thursday uh, with Ella. So that's. Two hours. You still got okay. ten hours of the day to fill in. <laughs> okay, so you are. You've also got. Uh, there's a new thing which I only uh, discovered. Now I haven't actually. Ella and I haven't been there together, but I took Charlotte there a little while ago, and mm-hmm. Charlotte's only little, probably a little bit too little to uh, for inflatable world. How old Charlotte now? Charlotte, yeah. nineteen months. I think she's a touch early but for no, inflatable well, world. No, but they're, they're different levels. So okay. you've got you've got all different things. So what, you, what happens so at inflatable well, you, so world? You know, you know the. The jumping castle, mm. which, by the way, was pretty much my favourite thing. Well, I bet know. it was. No, but you know, you just get in there, you take your shoes off. Well, some kids don't. You're meant to take your shoes off so you don't kick other kids in the head with your shoes on. But you just bounce around. All the kids bounce. There's always tears in, uh, in on the jumping car. But this inflatable world is a massive... Basically, jumping castle, but you've got all different types of things. You go through tunnels, you climb up ladders, you go down slides, and, and it's all all levels, all different age groups. It is massive, a lot of fun. You can have parties there, do all sorts of stuff. I even have a bar there for the adults that want to go in. And, um, well, that's a good combo. Yeah. Have six cans and, no, oh, I'll jump in with your children. No, but do you know what? It, it, it is, that is a lot of fun, and, uh, and, and I'm talking hours of fun. The kids absolutely love it. They bounce around. Get to know other kids. Um, it's it's good. So there's uh, there's one there's little a couple. I, I've got an alternative. Oh, by one the way, uh, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the movie, and I I actually love the kids movies for all the parents out there that I, I actually they they're not made just for the kids now. That you can seriously go there and enjoy watching it yourself. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen, and I know it was probably last school holidays, Zootopia. 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 So there may be a DVD for a wet afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, I've got an alternative one for you. My children's favourite thing in the world to do, and you need to be a little bit careful about this because you can annoy people, is go looking for golf balls. (laughs) I... <laughs> go looking for golf go balls. Go looking for golf balls. So we put ourselves in dark coloured clothes and sneak down to the, well, I'm not going to say which golf course because it's a very exclusive one. Oh, where so you're I not live. meant to be on the course. Well, you, you, you're meant to just stay in the shrubbery and the big penguin and the pickle go down and look for golf balls. It's like they're looking for treasure. Doesn't cost a cent, Ducky. We went, actually, went on Monday afternoon when I was struggling to stay awake. They were pestering me, can we go looking for golf balls? Well, we came home, we went for an hour and a half, Rosie. We came back with 31 golf balls. 31? Yes. Well, well, it's funny you say that because as a kid, mm. I used to do exactly that. That was my first income but, stream. But did it, you'd, you'd get into the dams. 
So you'd walk around right. in the dams, right? And you'd because you, there's obviously a zillion balls in the water. What about the eels and between your feet? You, oh, no eels in dams. Hell. Okay. Anyway, you might you might get bitten by a yabby or a few leeches <laughs> jump on, but but what? And then I'd go. But as soon as we did that, then we'd go around walking around the golf course selling them back to the yes back to the golf. That was my for, first for income. Very cheap. The, the big penguin only has one problem with it: is he hides in the bushes, and then someone strikes a three iron directly down the middle of the fairway, and he's like, "Dad, there's a ball. Can we get that one?" I was going to say the bush. <laughs> Can we get that one? The bushes are probably the worst places to hide because that's where most of the balls go. Offspring just dominates on Network 10. It is back in business tonight, which is great news. And to be honest, Duck, I thought your acting types, you know, maybe a little bit soft, put in half a day, maybe have a couple of lattes and, I don't know, go and do a couple of voiceovers and away they go. Lockie Humes just walked in and explained to us that there's a bit more involved. You look knackered, Lockie. How are you? I'm all right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, look, there's long hours. It takes a lot of time to put a TV show together, uh, particularly something like Offspring because the production values are so high. But... I'm standing. I mean, I'm not. You guys are sitting. I'm standing. So that's got to say something, mate. There was some doubt whether this was going to go on for another series. Clearly, you're, you're happy it, it has. It, it's been a huge success. Yeah, it's true. This is truly the. This show is the definition of back by popular demand. Mm. We went into the last season, which was a couple of years ago now, really thinking that's it. Um, and thinking we're just going to sort of do our victory lap. But there has not been a day since that final ep went to air where someone at some point has not said to me, is Offspring coming back? And it got to the point where I said, no, it's not. And I'd sort of hate to let you down, darling, but it's not coming back. And then about 12 months ago, I got a phone call saying, do you want to do more Offspring? I thought it was a prank call. And uh, anyway, here we are. We're still shooting it. Uh, don't worry, tonight's episode's already in the can. It's not, we're not yeah. shooting good, tonight's good, good. episode. <laughs> tonight, no, but, uh, <laughs> we've already on, done that one. That's on Network 10 filming. tonight. You can't yeah. me. i got a couple of specific questions for you. Yes. Now, you play the role, I'm reading it here, as the Director of Obstetrics mm-hmm. and Senior Obstetrics Specialist. She's well, uh, first of all, can I just jump in there? Yes. You're a genius. It took me the first four, whole season to learn well, how to say it. Well, this is my question. <laughs> this is my question. You must have to delve into some uh, highfalutin medical terms. No. Nah, well, I, I, it, it took me first season to get obstetrics right. I got <laughs> anesthesiologist right in season two. <laughs> and it was really at that point I went to the writers and said, listen, enough of this mumbo jumbo stuff. Okay. Just give me straight English. So I, uh, yeah, no, I don't have to do anything. My, for anyone who's ever watched the show, my character is a bit of a nutter. Um, I reckon you'd play that well. I, it's not too much of a stretch, <laughs> but I'm glad you said that. And um, yeah, no, uh, it's actually Asher Keddy who's really got to do all the heavy lifting in the show and also in the doctor department. Right. My character just sort of flits in and out and makes a fool out of himself. So yes, again, not too much of a uh, stretch. Duck wants to move into other fields with you and other things. You, I just got one question for you about Nina and... Uh, my beautiful partner at home, Erica, You've wanted got to a... ask this. She loves this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say no, no, you had no. a crush on Nina. No, no, I don't. She's have in the a, building, no, by the way, guys. Is she? Yeah, she. Ash okay. is here. Ash is here. She's okay, upstairs. Well, she's upstairs. How come we ended up with you then, Lockie? I know you got the. You drew the short straw. <laughs> no, I, I, I apologise for that. Her fashion has become a big talking point in this show. Yes. Is wh- wh- where are we going this year as far as Nina's fashion? Because apparently this is a very relevant question. Well, it's not my department, Erica. If you're listening, right. um, Suffice to say that. Uh, I really don't know how to answer it. <laughs> Although, I, apparently, there's somebody on eBay who sells Nina Proudman fashion, and uh, I'm I'm going to find out who that is and get a cut of that pie because that's there's some good money to be made. Because you've gone more the sort of Italian mafioso style look today. With black I, I, I was actually thinking I was looking.
looking a bit more Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. It's cold out there. It's cold. Now, mate, you've had some uh, massive roles. Obviously, yeah. everyone saw How's That, Kerry mm. Packer. Oh, congratulations um, on that. that was one of my favourite shows. That was awesome. Was that, how, how much fun was that to, to play? Oh, you put on, well, first of all, Kerry was, a, it's like a dream role because yep. you can basically, even when they yell cut, you can just still stomp around <laughs> <laughs> because you look like Kerry. It's like putting on a Superman suit. If you're wearing blue tights and a red cape, people go, well, that's Superman. And Kerry was such a specific look that I had to create for the for the piece. We were shooting in town one day in here in Melbourne at the Windsor Hotel and everybody was heading back to base to go get the get lunch. And I thought, no, I'm gonna go down to Pellegrini's and go get a bowl of pasta. And just walking down Burke Street, <laughs> it was like you just yeah, stick your chest out and it's like parting the yeah. Red Sea. So, You're a billionaire all of a sudden, yeah, Monkey. Right. You know, get out of my way. It's Gary Packer. Uh, how, how long does it take you and how do you study to get into a character like that? Because obviously with him no longer with us, do you look back at film or do you talk to people that knew him? How do you do it, Lockie? Well, in the case of Kerry, I I had done a lot of reading about him prior to being offered that role. So I sort of had an idea about how I would approach that part. But the key when you're playing a real life person is actually the shape of their mouth. So if you look at Kerry, he had a slight smirk all the time when he spoke. And there's that famous, you, you can just go on YouTube, that bit where he was in front of a Senate investigation thing and he was just paying out on them because he wanted a cup of tea. So you just learn how to do a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Talking about, uh, I like it. Talk, well, talking about your mouth and, and your voice. You even do the Fox Footy and Fox Sports. I am. Yeah, um, voiceovers. I've, and I've stuff. been the voice of Fox Footy. This is Fox Footy. I've been the voice of Fox Footy since we started, so about five years now. And then last year they said, "Oh, do you want to do all of the Fox Sports channels?" I said, "Bang, done. It's great. It's a great slack job. It's ten minutes from my front door on the tram, and uh, they pay me." And you're a bomber supporter. I am. Great year so far, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Killing it. <laughs> Go Dons. <laughs> Offspring is tonight on Network 10. Just as we let you go, if you could choose one actor on the planet to work with, who would it be? Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Likely to happen? Uh, probably not, but you can dare to dream. Look. I'm in Melbourne, he's in New York, but you never know. Do you know Al? Can we get onto him, Duck? We can hey, you sort well, something well, out? You well, did, you know, you I've did a little with, bit with Killer Elite. I did. I worked with De Niro. So De Niro. He came, and he came yeah. to Melbourne. Right. Yes. So you never know what might happen. Look, I'll tell you something. I'm working on a screenplay with a mate of mine in LA, and we're actually writing a role for Pacino, so you never know. You never know. That's a clever way. Yeah. Write him into yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> Invite him. Yeah. Hey, Lockie, a treat to have you in here. Good luck with Offspring. Not that you'll need it. It's a show that dominates. Thanks for your time. Thanks, and, uh, guys. We'll speak Thanks. to you soon. All righty, boys. Thank you so much. Duck, we were just talking about a suspected triple suicide attack in Turkey. The man that is on the way there for the Nine Network, their foreign correspondent, who's had to cover some horrific stories in recent times by the name of Tom Steinford, joins us on the line. Good morning for us. Good evening to you, Tom. Nice to speak to you. Not in the best of circumstances. What can you tell us is happening in Turkey? Yeah, look, still uh, getting a lot of information just coming through. This uh, happened about uh, three hours ago now uh, at the main airport, the Atatürk Airport in Istanbul. At the moment, we understand 28 people uh, have been killed, at least 60 others injured, uh, as you touched on there. Three separate suicide bombers have lobbed at the scene there. Uh, they were trying to get as far into the airport as they could possibly get. Uh, instead, police have identified them on the way in, and as soon as they've started opening fire on these attackers, uh, they have detonated suicide vests and, as I say, killed a number of people at this major airport. 
It's another shocking, shocking story. I believe you're on your way there now, Tom. It's something, especially in your job now, that is being reported more and more often just due to the frequency of these events. We wake up now and you used to be shocked when you would see something like this. Nowadays, it's almost like, oh, it's happened again. Yeah, particularly in Turkey as well. I mean, they almost don't get a lot of attention. Uh, back in Australia these days, there are suicide bombings there, honestly, pretty much every week now. Uh, the, the Kurdish rebels and uh, Islamic State uh, are really striking fear there, and often it's you know two or three people killed in a marketplace or whatever it may be. But this is a this is a major attack. Keep in mind, Istanbul is the third busiest airport in Europe. I mean, there's a huge amount of travellers that go through there. Uh, and this, we're being told, and it's unconfirmed, but the initial suggestion from police is that this was Islamic State that is responsible for the attack there, there this evening, our time. Yeah. Tom, just on another issue, as you brought it up, date with what's happening in Turkey, uh, you're based in the UK. I saw some vision on the news here last night about racial attacks in the UK on the back of the Brexit. Some really horrific scenes that were shown on the news last night where people were saying, you're not from this country, get out, you don't speak English, get out, etc., etc. Is that an undercurrent that's being reported in England and the UK at the moment? Yeah, it's actually a huge issue in the UK. Uh, is that video referring to that you might have seen last night, your listeners might have seen, is uh, is one that was on a tram in yep. Manchester. A few young lads, and you can see they've got a knees in their hands. They're clearly uh, you know, looking for trouble kind of thing, but they've targeted uh, several people on their race attacks. But this has been happening all over the UK since this referendum occurred. Uh, I've seen various reports of people uh, having... Uh, basically abuse held at them, but not only that, models held at them, whatever they may be. And it's actually got to the point now where David Cameron and several other leaders have had to come out and say, put your heads in, guys. This is not the, you know, just because we're leaving Europe doesn't mean all of a sudden we can turn on every uh, every foreigner in this country. It's a real issue for them there at the moment. And uh, an undercurrent, it seems to be not being an undercurrent, it seems to be becoming almost the mainstream. And Tom, just before we let you go, you're a young man based overseas. I know you're a big Richmond fan and you follow your European football, etc. You're a young man. You spend a lot of time, obviously, with young people within Europe and with England. Uh, how are the younger English people your age feeling about the fact that they're departing from, in some stage soon, in theory, the European Union? I'm not thrilled. I mean, it's really interesting. I don't know if you've seen the maps on uh, the demographics and all of this, but if you look at the 18 to 25 year old bracket, 80% of them voted in favour of remaining, and I think it was uh, the 25 to 39 was still somewhere around 60 to 70% that wanted to remain, uh, and particularly in London as well, the figures are even higher, so look, the people that I'm talking to, they're genuinely upset uh, that, that, that this really is going to change, not just their lifestyle, but generations to come as well, and their, their opinion is that the people that voted to leave were the old generations who won't have to live with the consequences that much longer, and it doesn't really affect their longevity and their future travel plans and work plans. So, look, for young people, it's something that's upset them a fair bit. Time. Tom Steinford from the Nine Network telling us that at least 28 people have been killed and 60 wounded in an attack at the main airport in Istanbul. Tom, we appreciate your time. I know you're heading to that part of the world, so stay safe. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Ducky boy, back page of the Herald Sun today. The Herald Sun can reveal clubs have been contacted by Jager Amira's management and told he would seek elite midfielder wages if he was to leave the Gold Coast Suns with a $750,000 price tag. Hasn't played football for quite some time. It's an interesting story. It is, and it's one that puts the young man under all sorts of pressure if that was the case, Howie. We've seen it time and time again, players that leave for big salaries, 
after not being proven, as you said, haven't, hasn't played footy for a very, very long time. Um, names that come to mind straight away, Tom Scully, who, by the way, right now is playing some really good footy for GWS, but took him a, took him a fair while. And I think because of that pressure um, of that price tag, uh, certainly I think has an effect. Tom Boyd's another one at the Bulldogs who could come back in this week and good luck to him. Uh, but, but what it does and, and, you know, footy clubs and players at clubs won't admit this, but it, 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 it does. It puts players offside, especially when you're languishing in the in the seconds, or you 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 know you're not you're not playing your best footy, as in Tom Scully's case for his first few years. Um, I just you know what, be happy with where you sit, and this is where the manager the manager plays the part. It's not it's not Jacob's uh, fault. It's the manager who puts his price tag on them, and then and then doesn't realise, and it could be over before it even starts because of that. It, it really does. That that pressure um, puts, as I said, you, players offside. You think it causes discontent within a football club? Without question. Without question. And and like I said, I, the players will say it doesn't, but it does. Because there's always there always those snickers behind behind closed doors. And, you know, there are players that are closer with others and they sit around and say, can you believe we're playing this, like, this amount of money and this is going on? And You, you were always talked about as one of the first million dollar men, whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. You can choose to tell us here or you choose not to tell us. Did you feel any... The tax office knows what it was. And okay. Yes, it was. All right. So it's a million bucks a year. All right. Well, well seven fifty net or whatever it was. Okay. So did you feel net, pressure net. with the money? So it's a million bucks. Okay. So did you feel pressure with the money or, and I'm not being silly now, because you were the dominant player at your club and within the competition... Then it wasn't an issue. No, it wasn't. Well, I, well, my my wage built, and I didn't leave a club when, and I didn't get overpaid for what I was, um, well, before my time, so yep. to speak. So these, you know, these young men that you know leave for, you know, and, and look, there's been players leave. Chris Judd left West Coast, came to Carlton for a massive amount of money, but was worth every cent because he'd already earned that. He's a Brownlow medalist. He was arguably best player in the competition, then, and that's happened a lot. You know, we see Paddy Dangerfield. Well, Paddy Dangerfield. I mean, Paddy Dangerfield wouldn't be on much more yep. than what, you know, the manager's saying that this young man should get. I'll put to you the other side of the equation and hasn't played much footy for the last 18 months. And you said it could be over in no time due to the pressure of this. It could be also over in no time due to continued injury, et cetera. So I'll put to you so the other security, side of the equation. Security for him. Well, $750,000, why would you not push for every cent when you're in a really finite, really short-term employment situation? It's a good point, but at the end of the day, you're, you're playing sport. You're playing sport for you, – you, you want to play for 10 years and you want success. You want yep. a premiership. You want all of those things. And yes, um, I agree with getting everything that you can, but if you just jump straight to that, as I said, then you then you maybe never reach your full potential because of what that added pressure gives you. So therefore, you end up behind anyway. And I'll put the argument to you with guys like Luke Hodge and and you know Mitchell and and Lewis and 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 even Ruffy and all of these guys would have had astronomical amounts of money over the years to leave the club. What they decide to do is stay for less, get the success that they're getting as a collective. Yes. And then at the, after their footy career, when they sign all sorts of deals. Yes then the money comes back but to they them are, tenfold uh, because of the success that they had uh, on the ground. I couldn't agree more, and that will work out beautifully for those blokes. What happens if you are a Jaeger Amira and you go to a football club 
it doesn't matter who the football club is and you try and fit in, you know, we're going to have success. You don't have success. You finish your career. You've been $250,000 a year under what you were going to get paid and you've had no success. So those opportunities then don't open up. Yeah, you know, oh, look, I'm all for players getting what whatever they can get. Should the salaries... I just, I just, no, no, they shouldn't. I know what you're going to say. Should they be published or not? No. No, no I, I don't think they that. should. And that's why. And, and look, this is a, a Mark Robinson article and, and you know, I, I, I would say that he's fairly across most things and he would so. have some pretty good some pretty good information this is something that the manager has to keep under wraps this the, these sort of figures should never ever ever come out and for a young man that like you said hasn't played footy for over a year i just think that uh, it, it sets him up for all sorts of failures all sorts of failures and yes he's got talent i hope he stays at the gold coast they've they've put the time into him he sat out for a year I would stay there and he should stay there for way less than that because he's not worth anywhere near that. He may one day be worth that. And when he is worth that and he wants to leave the club, by all means, leave. But uh, I'm, I'm, And that's why I think a lot of people were really cranky on, on Tom Scully. And I guess, well, Tom Boyd in the end, uh, Greater Western Sydney had an abundance of Tom Boyds and that right now is looking like a, a masterstroke on their behalf because he's not living up to that price tag. He may well. And will I'm he? A, I, Do you think he will, in I'm your a, opinion? I'm actually a Tom Boyd fan. I actually think the way he competes, he, he attacks the footy. I hope he's back in this week. Big game for him to come back into at the SCG. Tough tough ground to play key position on because you can get caught in between and if you're not that deepest forward, the ball can tend to go over the top if you haven't played that ground a lot. So that may be a, a little tip for uh, Bevo. Um, you know, might be a weekend, but then again, if he spends a bit of time in the ruck, who knows? But uh, I, I'm, I, I just, yep, I'd like to see uh, Amira stay uh, at at uh, the Gold Coast. Jay King was on open mic. I was tucked up in bed um, because of the hours we were working, but you like to keep across these things. It's a wonderful show, and from what you were telling me, Jake spoke really well. He did. I thought he spoke really well. He was honest, forthright. Um, yeah, he, he, uh, Mike asked him all the questions and harped on it and harped on it and harped on it and Jake, he kept answering it. So it was, it was, uh, it was actually good TV. He's an intriguing cat, isn't he? We worked with him last year on Triple M radio. Um, and he used to ring me and have a chat and how do you think I went? And we'd chat about this and chat about that. And his private persona and the image that he chooses to give off in public, you couldn't have two more diametrically opposed situations. No, I agree. And I, and he addressed all of that on the show. He addressed that, uh, you know, the, I guess the perception of him out there is completely different to what is reality. Uh, he spoke about a lot of things. One of the things he spoke about was his former teammate, Ben Cousins. It's been a tough road for Ben and it's going to be a tough road for him. So all we can do is make sure that if you need some guidance and need some help, that you're a physical presence and you're in front. It's not just a phone call. It's actually physically making sure that they're okay. We, we chat about a lot of things. I mean, he will talk about the boys playing football. We'll talk about the kids. We'll talk about do as mates do. That side of it, no offence, not for anyone mm, okay. to know. That's a personal thing for, for me and Ben. It's no one else's business. For me, it's, it's being a mate not a counsellor. I was in the rooms when he brought Toby Mitchell down into the rooms. Um, you know, they have the, the play area and then for those that haven't seen it, you're obviously very aware of it. They have a, a sort of uh, a roped off area where friends and family, and I saw Toby there and I thought to myself, this will be a story. Um, rightly or wrongly, it will be a story. Um, people have perceptions. Um, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a story until two weeks after the fact. Yeah. That happens a lot though, Duck. That, that happens a well, lot. Why does that happen? Oh, that's just the media cycle. Someone because picks up on it and someone knows. Because it's a Because it's juicy, it's a, mate. No, no, because it's a quiet news week. So nah. they just say, well, that happened two weeks ago, but you know what? 
we'll go with it now. Yeah, it's a juicy story. He also spoke about tattoos. Uh, Mike asked me about tattoos. I really did enjoy this response. Tattoo to me almost spells trouble. Now, that's an old-fashioned attitude now, isn't it? Because yep. so many young people have ink. Yep. What's the attraction to you? To tattoos? Yeah. I, I like, it's art. I like it. it I, I think it looks good. So it's, it's my, my question is, why do you get your hair cut like that? Why do people <laughs> I ask myself that question. Why do people dye their hair? So they like it. It looks good. Actually, that's uh, a very good answer, by the way, to Mike. Uh, Mike, come on. Get up with the times. If, if tattoos spell trouble, there's a lot, a lot of trouble out there, Mike, because a lot, a lot of people have got ink. There is. It's funny with our, with our athletes, especially in the media. We, we well, Some of our Olympic athletes have got the Olympic symbol on there. So does that mean uh, they're trouble? Well, I think Mike was taking it out of himself a little bit there and, yeah. and his generation. It's funny. We want our athletes in so many ways. Yeah, I crave an athlete to be different and I crave an athlete to speak their mind and, and show some real emotion. And then when you do get an athlete that is different and Jake's different because of his appearance and the people he spends time with, then they get whacked. It's a really fine line, isn't it? Then, then I see I see the, the rising star yesterday, Jade Gresham. It's nothing against Jade. He's a very, very young man. And he, he they're asking about his goal and, and he couldn't wait to get off the goal and get on to the fact that he couldn't have done it without his team, etc. It's a, it's a tricky one for the young athlete, I reckon. It is. I'll tell you what... Uh, came out of last night also in and not if you didn't know it is you know what a beautiful heart that jakey king's got you know and the and the things that he's done off the ground you know he played a and mike was right he played just over 100 games but has a has a really high profile for whatever reason because of uh childhood friends friends that he has mm. and and like he said you know, friends to him um and friends to a lot of people are like family and uh, I, I, th- I thought he spoke really, really well. I thought he was articulate and and uh, explained himself extremely well, and, and showed it and showed a different side. I think to a, to what a lot of people's perceptions would have been. You still did avoid him last year in the Great Push Up Challenge, where you and him were to go head to head on Dead Set Legends. Yeah, I think you I, sort of pulled out a touch. Yeah, uh, I was going to take Jakey on in a push up comp. Yes. and uh, it'd be fair to say that I I had to have an operation. <laughs> Uh, hernia operation. That's so where you I, left me for two days on my own doing breakfast. Exactly. So, right. Howie, what do you think, Howie? Well, Howie, <laughs> I had to, uh, I had to pull out. I might put that back on the agenda. Now, I've, I've, I've found out, like, because I thought that his push-ups were only half push-ups. Yes. I've, uh, I've since found out that they're not, and he's, yeah. <laughs> and I know why he's called the push-up king. <laughs> we have a thing in here called live reads. Live reads, yep. Where we don't get paid any money, but the station gets paid lots of money for us to read an ad in the ad break. So you get handed a script, yep. uh, which normally I do a couple of lines and you do a couple of lines, but you're a big fan of the man shake, so you I thought was. you'd take charge well, last well, time. This, well, this is exactly, uh, I'll do the last couple of lines. So buy three weeks of the man shake and score a free week, hit manshake.com.au. Then it's got a word in brackets that you're not meant to say it, fast. Console your GP for beginning any diet individual rating. <laughs> and that got me thinking. Because you, you were going to read fast. I was not going to read fast. You were going to read I, fast. I brought it up because of the great uh, Ron Burgundy in uh, in whatever movie that was called. Anchorman. Anchorman. And <laughs> where, the, where the question where mark the is auto, on the... auto cue, which you would have done a lot of work. Let's have a listen to Ron. That's going to do it for all of us here at Channel 4 News. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? <laughs> For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. <laughs> I've used yeah. those before, and it can get confusing because you have all sorts of information 
on there. And as, as you, when it says fast, you want to read well, the word fast. it says fast. fast and you want to say fast. Yeah. But anyway, it, uh, I just thought it was amusing. The great, and he is a great man at, uh, at Channel 9, although I did meet him once and he gave me absolutely nothing, Kenny Sutcliffe, um, <laughs> who, who's a legend of broadcasting. Uh, so he had the auto cue scenario. Uh, and when you do a cross with someone, if I'm in one studio and you're in another, they put you in what is called the industry two-way boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it might say on the script two-way boxes and therefore I know that you're ready there for my cross. Yes. But it may be written on the auto cue. Time for sport with Ken Sutcliffe. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, Davina. Lovely to be here with you. The Gold Coast Suns forward, Stephen May, faces a lengthy suspension when he fronts the AFL Tribunal tonight. Two A boxes, nine bet <laughs> until he was <laughs> AFL house. <laughs> <laughs> Big Kenneth. That is. He's backed that, over that, the two-way box. That is as funny as I've heard. But because you're talking about a man that is as, as, as experienced as anyone in in that's the uh, in the industry to, uh, to get that one. But that that's because you're on autopilot. He is he is on autopilot, and he just knows that he just does it so easily. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm Ron Love Burgundy. It. Love it. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> 